0: Hey friend, this is Ryan Thomas. We're so blessed and grateful you're listening to On The Road and supporting Faith Radio. You are quite simply the best and we appreciate you so much. Enjoy the show. Discovering stories of courage, determination, and hope. Welcome to Faith Radio's On The Road. Now, here's Ryan Thomas. Well, it seems like the words were written for exactly where we are today. Though the ground beneath might crumble and give way, I can hear my father singing over me. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. But Tasha Layton penned those lyrics at the heart of her track, Into the Sea, some time ago. It is no surprise, though. It's now one of the most popular songs in the country. The recording artist, songwriter, and worship leader with an extraordinary story joins us today. And the warmest of greetings to you, Tasha. How are things treating you today?
1: Oh, they're great. I I just put my littles down for naps, and that is the best part of the day some days when there's a little peace and quiet in the house.
0: Oh man, I can't imagine. I mean, all of us are going through things that we never anticipated, that we never saw coming. Just how much have these days changed things at your house?
1: You know, in some ways it hasn't changed at all because I rolled right from maternity leave right into quarantine. So life (laughs) at home doesn't look much different. Um, But like I said, you know, when the littles go down for a nap, that is sort of some peace and quiet because I'm I'm used to us being out and about and being able to do things and I travel with my, my kids. And so, um, that has been, you know, challenging. It's been challenging to not be around our friends and our, um, you know, our, our family of choosing, so to speak at our church. And, um, I miss hugs. I'm a hugger. So (laughs) I miss all that a lot.
0: Though of course. Well, it's, it's kind of remarkable though, because you are, you're blessing people, in such a powerful way, even though you're not able to, <laughs> to physically see them, talk yeah. about a song especially made for these times. I mean, Into the Sea is right now one of the most popular CCM songs in America. And here's the heart of the chorus. Though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground beneath might crumble and give way, I can hear my father singing over me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah this is basically the very message that we need to hear right now, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that is the power of music, Ryan, that we could be in our home and yet a message from the Lord could go out to the masses. And so I I feel really privileged to be a part of that process along with the writers and the musicians, um, you know, who created the song. And I'm so thankful for the way God's using it. And I'm, it's so precious to me to be able to hear stories of um, how God is using this song specifically for different people in, in their lives. And so I've, I've really felt privileged to get those stories sent to me. And some people reach out, and then some people I, you know, I hear um, by way of others. But it has been really special, and I do think that the Lord um, planned this song for such a time as this.
0: And just to to make clear, I mean, with the lead time on something like this, the writing and the production, everything that goes into this, this was not written with COVID in mind, right? This was written no. before you were aware of
1: <laughs> No, and, you know, it was written really with some dark nights of the soul is what I call them in mind. And all of the writers sort of came to the space with a very, um, you know, honest and raw emotion um, in mind. And so I, I think we were all accessing different places in our lives that had been painful and everything. But it's funny because, you know, um, we wrote the song back in the fall and now the timing of it coming out, I mean, I never could have anticipated we'd be going through a global pandemic when <laughs> this song was released. And so um, it really is so clearly God.
0: Man, it really is. It really is, and an introduction to your uh, dynamic vocals. The, you've been described as a powerhouse, and when you listen, uh, if you've not heard Tasha before, you will quickly understand that that really is the word for it.
1: Thank you. I uh, I actually we used my scratch vocal for the song because I was um, super pregnant when I recorded the vocals, <laughs> and um, you know I just could not. Uh, I couldn't do it. It just was not happening. And so we ended up using the scratch vocal from the day we wrote it because it just captured the right emotion. And um, it ended up, you know, being the right thing.
0: You know, that's probably something we don't think about a whole lot. Singing is basically all breath support, isn't it? And that's probably not easy to get during (laughs) pregnancy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, Interestingly enough, we also did our church recording, you know, the day, the week before I had... um, my Little Girl, we recorded that. And so um, you kind of have to be ready in season and in out. And, out. and um, you know, this was one of those situations where I I didn't really have a choice. I just had to, to cut the vocals when we cut them. And I was really glad we had a good scratch vocal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for taking us behind that. That is, that is a fascinating journey. Tasha Layton is with us today. The recording artist, songwriter, and worship leader, with one of the most popular songs in America right now called Into the Sea. Now, when you start to unpack your story, it opens up, I think, like it's going to be somehow familiar. You know, it's you start growing up singing in a church, small town. Everything sounds so familiar about this. But then we get to you in Europe pursuing mysticism and other religions. (laughs) So you you realize this is a remarkable journey that you've walked. Take us back first to growing up in South Carolina in a town that I believe you say was just a one traffic light town.
1: Yeah, we we had one flashing traffic light and a volunteer fire station. And um, it's, you know, just a really small community and I would say pretty conservative. And so I, I grew up uh, in a Christian home and um, a very loving home. But I just, as I grew older, um, experienced some deep wounds in the church, like a lot of people. And I just went searching because I needed truth and I needed peace. And I I really couldn't reconcile, Ryan, how um, people who, you know, said they loved God would hurt other people so much. And so that kind of set me on a trajectory of searching. And so, yes, I studied mysticism in Europe. I went to Buddhist meditation camp. I went to mosque. I went to synagogue. I just, I just figured that any truth that was really true was God's truth because he um, you know was the maker of all things and so in the end of that journey at the very end I just realized that Jesus was the only one who offered any sort of power to transform in my life and um, kind of my search so to speak was over and I've, I've never really gone back to those days of uncertainty and doubt ever since then
0: Uh It's a fascinating journey. And if you'll, if you'll allow us, I want to dig down just a little bit deeper as well. How do you start to discover the gift that you have to sing? Who are the people that, that start to hear you even just growing up and say, wow, you really got something there.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, my mom, you know, says I came out singing (laughs) and then, you know, I was on my youth worship team and stuff like that. But Um, I really, when I decided to pursue ministry, I didn't pursue music because um, I'd been so disheartened with kind of worship, the worship ministry at the church I was at and um, the people involved. And I just kind of had a sour taste in my mouth to be completely open with you about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't pursue music. And then actually I was in seminary and a lady came up to me and said, you know, we're having this event on campus, and we need a worship leader, and I just thought of you. Is that something you do? And I just completely flat out lied to her. <laughs> <laughs> just said, I know I don't. And then she came back to me a week later and said, you know, I know you said you didn't do this, but every time I pray, God brings your name to mind. And so um, I ended up talking to her the next day, and I, I agreed to do it. And that um, really was an event that solidified my calling for me because um it was so special and i thought okay maybe i do need to to use music to minister because i was just going to work at a church in full time ministry i didn't care what i did mm-hmm. um and i i wasn't in music ministry per se it just sort of happened and then um i just you know thought what do i have in my hands that i can use to minister to people and to be of service and Music and singing and everything was just what I felt like I had to offer. And so that's what I did.
0: And you go from there to this incredible period of success that I can't wait to ask you about because it's <laughs> you know, it's the kind of stuff that people dream about. But it, it wasn't everything, perhaps, that you hoped it would be in terms of purpose. But I can't help but go back just a little bit because yeah. this period of searching, uh, that you really begin to undertake in college. It's interesting to me reading about it because I think that for a lot of us, I, I don't know that we would necessarily have the courage to leave behind everything that we've come to believe mm-hmm. and to sort of put it aside and to start searching. Now, I know this was a period yeah. that was very difficult for you, but but in a way, I mean, what opened your heart during that period to sort of have the boldness to go and start searching for truth in all these different places?
1: You know, it really was pain. I don't think that I set out to be open to as much as I was open to. I think I was just hurting and I needed help and I needed to find that wherever I could. And so that's sort of what set me on that journey. And then throughout the journey, I saw all these little pieces of, um, different religions that I felt like was really good. I thought, wow, like all of these things have a piece of the truth and that's why they work for so many people. They, they do have a piece of the truth. And yet Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I believe more than anything that anything that is good is of him. And so All of these things that I was searching out had a piece of goodness, but it it wasn't the good thing. It wasn't the good God that we serve. It wasn't the creator himself, and it wasn't a person necessarily. It was just a religious way of being or or a pattern that people set themselves up for. Like,
0: Hmm.
1: it was all striving for God, whereas in Christianity, he's in pursuit of us.
0: Well, was that the feeling? Was that sort of the realization that you came to, that you arrived at at the end of that time, that there were pieces here, pieces there that were compelling, but at the end of the day, you just hadn't found what you were searching for?
1: Yeah, I would say all of the above. And then also I I felt this power in Christianity to transform me in a way that I, I didn't feel when I was meditating or going to mosque or anything like that like I I sensed this power from the inside out to transform and to have peace and um, courage and boldness and I recognize now that that was you know Christ in me but then I I wasn't sure I just I just needed to search it out and to know for myself and that was scary and I'm sure a lot of people who knew me, You know, growing up, were scared for me, and you know, we do that with people we know. We're nervous for them when they start to ask questions, (laughs) but God is never nervous about that, (laughs) and He's willing to meet us where we
0: are. How about that? God is never nervous about questions. That should be on a plaque somewhere, I think. Yeah. Oh man. Well, we're talking with Tasha Layton today, recording artist, songwriter, worship leader. She has one of the most popular songs in America right now. It's called Into the Sea, and it sounds as if it were made for these very days. There are a couple of hinge points in this story that, that really bring you to the place where you are today, but before you get to the decision to really go back to church, you mm-hmm. go through this period of real darkness that you talk about, and and eventually you even contemplate suicide. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it was a lot of different things that happened seemingly all all at once in my life. I left my church, and the church was really unhealthy. It kind of split up or whatever, and then I was in college. I was getting a lot of humanistic philosophy with my religion major, and I was searching out other religions. Um, I had sort of separated myself from um, everyone that I had known, and I just was very alone and I think, you know, you said it well, it was a hinge point because it wasn't the end of the story, Um, but it it was a marking day for me where after I, you know, tried to commit suicide, I, I realized that I couldn't do it by myself, that I could not walk this journey alone and that I needed help. And so when that happened when I thought, I I need help, and I sort of had this reckoning within my faith um, where Jesus was the way. That was the turning point for me, and I reached out to people, and I, I did not try to isolate myself anymore. I tried to get help.
0: Hmm. You make another big choice to go back to church, and that eventually leads you to this experience where you— you realize you'd forgotten God's call on your life and and rediscover purpose in these giftings that you have. How, how did that play out?
1: Well, I forced myself to go to church after that um, turning point in my life because I thought, you know, much like love, your faith is a decision and you're not always going to feel it. You have to make a decision to walk by faith and not by sight. And so I went to a church where no one knew me and um, I was there about a year before I felt anything. I was very numb. And about a year in, the pastor said, you know, if you want to touch from the Lord, why don't you come up to the front after service and we'll pray for you. And I was the first person down, and I left three hours later. I was just a sobbing mess, wow. um, just sort of felt for the first time. And I could I could sense the Holy Spirit doing a work in me. Um, That was new and that had probably been churning for a long time, but it actually, you know, um, came to the surface that day. And then I remembered that when I was 13 at a youth conference, um, they asked, you know, if you sensed a calling from God to come down to the altar. And I think I was, I ran, I was the first one down. And (laughs) I'll never forget, they played that song, we will abandon it all for the sake of the call. And I love that song. Every time I hear that song, I still weep because it's so special to me. But I remember that calling and I thought, you know what, I'm not going to run anymore. And that's when I decided to go to seminary.
0: Wow, that's a beautiful story. Well, and, you know, what's interesting about that response, too, something something I picked up on at the very beginning of your, of your answer, you were at that church for a year, you said, and
1: yeah. you
0: didn't feel anything, but you stayed no. there. You stayed in that situation.
1: Yeah, because I thought it was better than the alternative. <laughs> I thought, you know what, at some point this is going to stick. I, I thought, I'm just going to keep going. And like I said, I'm going to live out my faith in an intellectual way if I can't live it out emotionally, because, you know, our faith is supposed to encompass us as a whole. It's supposed to be our thoughts, our heart, our emotions, you know, our mind. But often, you know, we get stuck in sort of one area or one area sort of takes precedence over the other. And yet I I just thought, I'm going to love God with my mind. I'm going to love him with my intellect and with my will. And eventually the emotion and the part that me as an artistic person loves so much, (laughs) the feeling of it, eventually that might come. But even if it doesn't, is my faith real or is it not?
0: Wow. Thank you so much for that because I think— you know, that is a situation that many of us face from time to time. So thanks for taking the time to to go through that with us. We re- really appreciate yeah. that. So your inescapable talent, <laughs> which is, I mean, we got we got a little taste of it right there with you singing. But it really takes you to the biggest stages there are at this point. I mean, a contestant on American Idol, a backup vocalist for Katy Perry, a sought-after session performer on so many recognizable projects i mean how exciting and gratifying was that time first of all
1: oh man i mean it was like living a dream in some ways i mean you're you're traveling the world on someone else's dime and you're crossing things off your bucket list and you're getting to do what you enjoy doing and um, i mean it is really special to be a part of that small of a community that tours that extensively and so um, i do i do think Those were exciting times, and I loved what I got to do. I loved the travel. I loved experiencing different things. And um, we did go to the biggest stages and biggest TV shows and SNL and um, stadiums. I mean, like, it was crazy. But at the same time, there's a reason Paul says you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Because even though that's exciting, it doesn't fulfill your purpose necessarily, like if if you're someone like me and has a heart for ministry and you know something like that, it's not it's not going to fulfill you long term. Um, I definitely learned a lot. It was an amazing journey, and I made relationships that I cherish today. But I definitely also knew that I missed leading worship and I missed singing songs that directly connected people to God and their faith. And, um, I just knew that I needed to have the courage to go do my own thing, which is what I'm doing now. And, mm. um, I'm really blessed to be able to do that.
0: Hmm. Was it sort of a gathering process of realizing that you needed to make a change or was it an instantaneous lightning like moment of decision for you?
1: I think it was somewhere in the middle. I, I, I do think that a lot of us can sense change when it's coming, you know you kind of feel that itch in the wind, <laughs> so to speak, and I knew that something was gonna be changing i I had sort of reached um a ceiling with what I was doing as, in reference to learning and experiencing new things and um and I just thought you know what i I had gone to Africa for a mission trip um and met up with the tour. Uh, One summer, and when I met back up with the tour from being in Africa, I missed Africa, and I just realized so much how much I missed ministry, like hands on, and my calling. And so, um, none of what I did with Katie or in the session world or anything like that with Idol was um, off the path, it was all part of God's plan. It was just a different season of it, and I needed to learn some things along the way, um, even production-wise. For what I do now, um, I feel very comfortable because I've, I've experienced that, you know, on the road and in a professional yeah. setting. So, yeah, I, I think it was a wild ride, but I'm really thankful for it, and I will always look back at that season with fondness.
0: Man, well, what a story, what a voice, uh, what incredible music. The latest song that we've been talking about today is called Into the Sea. Tasha Layton has been with us, the recording artist, songwriter, worship leader with one of the most popular songs in America right now. And before we even think about saying goodbye, let's talk about where we can go to experience the music, uh, to pick up a copy of the single. Uh, Where's the best place to start?
1: Yeah, it's, it's streaming on all digital platforms. So Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, Amazon Music, anything like that, um, you can find it there. And we've got YouTube lyric videos online and um, you can always go to my website, TashaLayton.com.
0: Tremendous. I, I find myself gravitating to that moment where you spoke again about being in a period where you don't feel the emotional connection mm. to faith into purpose. Maybe there's somebody listening today who is just searching and searching for that and just wishing they felt that emotional connection to God, to faith today. Mm. What would you say to them about not giving up?
1: I would say be confident in this, that it's not always gonna be that way. And that in a second, God can turn around a situation where you've tried your whole life to change it or to change the way you think or change the way you feel about something or yourself. And yet God can heal that and change it and transform it in a moment. And so never give up because He hasn't given up on you mm-hmm. and He's always with you. He's always been with you and He always will be. And. It won't always be like this and it's going to be okay.
0: Well, what a dose of hope and encouragement. What a journey this has been. Thank you so much, Tasha Layton, for being with us today. It was a real pleasure to talk with you.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: Thanks for sharing in the story of this latest episode of Faith Radio's On the Road. For more on today's conversation and the full podcast archive of all our episodes, look for On the Road when you visit MyFaithRadio.com. Thanks so much for listening to On The Road. Programming like this happens because of your incredible support. You can learn more about partnering financially at myfaithradio.com. And we'd be so glad to connect with you during the week on social media. Just search for On The Road with Ryan Thomas on Facebook and our Twitter handle is at OnTheRoadRyan. Until next time, God bless you, my friend.